0: Hello, hello, good morning, and welcome to Duality. I'm your host, Ash, and I'm here with our special guest, Alejandro. Thank you so much for being here with me.
1: Hello, Ash. Thank you for inviting me. It's my honor to be here with you today.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited to get into our topic today, uh, talking about attachment styles and uh, getting into something that I feel like has been very big in the community right now i know it's like all over tiktok and all over instagram and facebook as like different like info kind of squares usually it's four different types of attachments i don't know whether or not there's more or less and um yeah so if you want to open up and get into
1: that? Sure. Well, that's awesome because we started talking yesterday about certain things, about families, relationships, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I'm glad that you mentioned that right now in the social media, we have a lot of different things and everybody is uh, sharing something different and and, and talking. And I can see throughout our conversations how the general public can be not exactly misguided, but we want to kind of resolve and jump in right away without understanding where things are coming from. And one of the things that I like to start off with today is when wha- how do we define uh, attachment? And the best way that I can put it. Uh, by the way, for some of you that don't know, I am a psychotherapist also and a coach practitioner. So I'm using a lot of my academic work that I have done, uh, things that I have learned, um, ideas for research, future research that I want to do. And when I look at attachment, the best way that I can put it and compare it in layman's terms is that attachment is like oxygen for our cells. Mm-hmm. We don't realize about importance uh, with this regard. We get confused. We get distracted with so many different things. So basically, that attachment is that emotional bond that we have. And then I make it into some kind of academic stuff and more practical things. So I will try to keep it light on that side. Uh, There's a lot of research that has been done, we started about over 60 years ago, and the initial authors, one of them was uh, uh, Balbi, and there is Bowman, they're my two heroes in in psychotherapy. They were kind of, one of them was kind of outcast for 25 years, when we started talking about the attachment and systems. I, as a psychotherapist, work very deeply with the brain, the theory of attachment, and uh, also systems. And then one of these authors, he was outcast for 25 years. Mm-hmm. So all my colleagues back then outcast him, and he was mm-hmm. the black sheep, and they didn't want to deal with him. Mm-hmm. And then somebody one day wondered, what is this things about systems and attachment? And today is kind of our bread and butter. So Thank it is because we understand that attachment is that emotional bond that will connect us to the world. Attachment is so mm-hmm. indispensable. Like, for instance, um, when we're born, nobody teaches us how to suck. If I don't suck, my thumb, the nipple, the bottle, I will die. There are a few uh, babies that they are born that they have a syndrome and they cannot suck, so they have to be intubated with a cannula that goes through the nose down to the stomach, and then we, b- we pump milk or formula and feed them until they're able to, to learn. We t- have to teach them. If we don't know how to suck, we'll die. So it's an evolutionary tool that we develop, and I call it, we come with this microchip in the computer that has uh, many different things that they are instinctual things and also items that are going to help us survive, to live and, and to grow and to progress as we have done with the planet. There are a few of us at the beginning and now we are eight billion and counting. So we're kind of overpopulating due to that uh, um, mechanism of survival. So we suck in a good way. And then we nourish our body, we grow, we provide the opportunity of life. If I don't attach, that's another thing that comes here in the microchip of the brain. If I'm not able to connect with some figures, usually we call them academically figure of attachment and figure of uh, authority. Usually it doesn't have to be mom and dad, though. It could be the nanny, it could be the aunt, it could be grandma, it could be the neighbor that is present with us for the first five years, zero to five. So when I have that bond, that connection, I'm able to now, it's like sucking, nourish. When I have the bond, I'm able to have the sense of belonging. So now I have this emotional connection that gives me a sense of belonging, connecting, knowing that if I go away, you have my back. And it doesn't matter what happens. Always I'm going to have you, and always you're going to say, you you did the most horrible thing in the world, I am upset, and I love you. Now we have this thing going on. However, and this crosses boundaries of geogra- geographic boundaries, like, you know, countries, continents. We have been conditioned that if you, if you flank the class as a kid, I look at a report card and it's AAA, F, we stop the world. Now you go into this sort of bucket that I love you, but you flank the class, so I don't love you anymore. I put you over here. Mm. And that's not true. In fact, I'm very upset if I'm your parent because I love you, I want the best for you, but I get lost in this conditioning. And the conditioning is you have to strive. And if you fail, I love you so much, but I cannot express that one, and then I remove you and put you here. So we, we grow up with this fear. So when we talk about attachment and I don't have that connection, when, uh, and I will talk a little more about that in a minute, but when I don't have that bond, that connection, that is going to affect my life for the rest of my life, unless we look for professionals, unless I, um, I came from a place that it was a lot of uh, insecure attachment, a lot of destruction, a lot of violence, alcoholism, and then it was very unfortunate. It's done. It's very sad. Absolutely. I call that one a high-priced hack item, correct? I have to go through all these experiences in life and most of us. However, as an adult, I have the responsibility now for the I, to recover, to heal, to repair. And I deserve, I'm a deserving person of a happy life, connecting. So I need to go back and repair all these, not damage, but these things that didn't work out well. Good intentions without paying attention to the intention having a disastrous outcome. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why attachment is so important. And actually things start before we're born, mm-hmm. based on lo- longitudinal studies, We have at least three of them. People were followed from almost conception. I don't know how they figured out. Probably having sex, and now we're filming everything what is happening. And then, um, but they followed moms from the time that they were pregnant until the kid was about 17 years old. And we saw everything. They did blood tests on mom. They did certain things with the amniotic fluid. They did things with the baby, and they followed them throughout life. And then they realized about something very important. Now we have the fMRI, functional magnetic resonance imaging. So with that one, what we can see is how the centers in the brain kind of lighten up, correct? When uh, you tell me I love you, they can see that in my brain certain uh, spots are kind of saying, whoa, we're here, we're alive. Uh, When I am sad, other centers are going to shine at the moment. So now when we're able to determine through the um, fMRI how the brain works, we can see that uh, many structures that we couldn't see before when they were activated. When we're in utero. The story starts in the first trimester, actually. When Usually mom doesn't know that she's pregnant, correct? When mom knows, oh, my period is behind what happened here, tests about two months, two and a half months, mom is pregnant. So now the stress starts, and it's very difficult. The first trimester is crucial. If mom is exposed to the regular stress of life, it's okay. But when we have, you know, COVID, and we have the foreclosure of the house, and then how your partner is not... I have to speed or snap on the things that we have to do. So the stress escalates. We start releasing more cortisol and adrenaline. The placenta is the barrier for those substances. It protects us like the uh, blood barrier that we have in the brain for antibiotics. Not everything goes to the brain and, and some diseases. So the same thing, the placenta protects that fetus, mm-hmm. that moralization, that, that cell that is multiplying rapidly. So the adrenaline and cortisol do not cross that barrier so fetus is safe not too fast mom has to dispose these hormones so mom reprocesses those metabolizes them so she can pull and peep the result of that product however the byproduct of metabolizing the cortisol and adrenaline crosses the barrier of the placenta and it goes right into and we don't understand why goes right into the amygdala and the hippocampus so when man has this excessive stress, this tension, this adversity that is not regular life, then we're going to have a human being that is going to have 50% um, prevalence or predisposition to have emotional uh, tra- um, disorders. So um, no wonder why we have so much anxiety and depression and bipolar, borderline. Just that we have the DSM-5 with 200-plus diagnosis. So um, things start very early. So when we understand how that works, now we can educate parents. Usually when I do public speaking about these things and I have pregnant women in the, in the audience, they like, they're like, yep. So things are charting. Always I say, go to your partner, whoever it is, and say, I'm the queen of the world for nine months. Worship my ground, because that's what moms need, mm-hmm. because that is going to create the foundation. When we have a lot of these chemicals going into that brain in the first trimester, especially, and it affects the whole nine months, we have kids growing up, we have the fetus growing up, the amygdala is going to hyperdevelop, it's going to be larger than it's supposed to be. The hippocampus is going to hyper-develop. it's going to be smaller than it has to be. When we're born, the story continues, doesn't start, continues. Because when we're in utero, we're uh, understanding right now most of the trauma that we have. Many times we're born already with a trauma, mm-hmm. and we don't understand, correct? Somebody says, Yeah, that really triggers me, I feel really bad. Think about what happened. I don't know. And we can explore, do regressions, and we cannot figure it out until we ask, how was mom's pregnancy? Oh, I don't know where to start. Daddy was this, mom went through the other. So it's very complicated. But then if we have that background that helped us to find etiology, meaning that now if we're not able to pinpoint exactly where the trauma comes, we know that it was something that it was in utero. The trauma occurs, the amygdala is, is altered, the hippocampus is altered, and now we have we're have. we still looking if it's causation or correlation or both when we are in advanced age and we have Alzheimer's, dementia, because the hippocampus carries some of the stem cells to replace some of the neurons. Supposedly, at the after 40, we lose about 100,000 um, neurons a day. We only replace 900, approximately. Um, it's plenty. It's plenty. But when I was... Um, affected by that chemistry of mom in utero my um hippocampus instead of being larger than is smaller than so when it's smaller than i have less stem cells mm. so when i'm an adult i have less resources to replace what is dying so it seems to be that is not the only cause but it's a correlation on dementia um, when we start uh, you know uh, getting a little older the amygdala is larger, the hippocampus is smaller. The amygdala is larger. And unfortunately for women, is the right amygdala that is about 50% larger than the left one and males. That creates more um, tendency to have emotional disorders and dysregulation in the adult life. Mm-hmm. So knowing all those things, I know that, for instance, if I'm a female with that amygdala, right amygdala that is enlarged, it's not that I'm abnormal. I'm normal. It's supposed to happen, correct? That's how things were created, but now we can address that one. Which brings into another topic for another day about the plasticity of the brain. Mm-hmm. It was created. Can we remodel that one? You betcha! Right now, we know so little about that one. I'm so intrigued about that one that I want to do research on that one because we need to figure out how we're able to tap into that resource and remodel. Mold is like it's like um, uh, putting right. You, you can you can mold it, mm-hmm. but we don't know how to. Mm-hmm. So so. You have it there. So I don't know what else <laughs> we'd like to, to, to explore.
0: So thank you so much for all that information. And um, I feel like that just touched on so many different aspects. I'm like, I have so many questions like I <laughs> for myself. I have questions for my mom. I'm like, you know, very excited yeah. to like go that journey. And, you know, I encourage anyone who's listening and uh, who feels any resonance with that, you know, like getting into with discussing if it's accessible you know, to your guardians or to your mother especially who was carrying you and what her pregnancy kind of looked like and maybe how some of your phobias or things of that sort might kind of come from there. And that. It's like opening up that door. You know, I feel like there's certain things that I personally have that um, I don't feel like I personally experienced in this lifetime, but it almost feels like I did. And then, mm. you know, you look at your mother, you look at your family, You know, and you realize how they have these things, and it's, like, really interesting how it carries over, which, um, you know, I forgot exactly what you, you said. Was it history trauma or... Um, that would be like generational trauma, though. That's yeah, the X history is, yeah,
1: that, w- that we go so. through, and actually all of us, we have it. The important thing is to identify that one and then be able to use kind of an objective lens on that one, correct? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we only believe that certain segment of the population has historic trauma. Um, through them, we learn a lot, but we have to, to be more generous about that part, too. Mm-hmm. So um, we start in utero, and then when we come out, based on research, I- before it was about zero to three, now it's zero to five. Mm-hmm. Also, we used to say that the brain was completed when I was a youngster, just a few weeks ago. We used to say that the brain was completed when we were 16 years old. Then somebody said, no, it's 18. And somebody says, no, it's 21. Then somebody says, it's about 23. Right now, the, last num- the latest number is about that we are kind of getting to finishing the molding and, and getting the structures necessary for our performance in life when we're 28. I think that we stop when we die. When we take the last breath, that's <laughs> when the brain stops growing and defining itself. Because mm. it's this fluid, correct? When we talk about energy and ancestry and things like that, it's very really, um, important that we take this into account. Nothing is really set on a stone. Nothing is that is that difficult. So um, when we are talking about... Uh, pregnancy when we're talking about the amygdala the hippocampus when we're talking about now popping out our head into this world so to speak Mm -hmm. and literally so it's very important that i realize that now the journey continues it doesn't start so but we're so concerned about i want to start around the journey correct the baby's out so we started like oh it's kind of a little too late Mm -hmm. one day late and one dollar short correct so (laughs) it's like ding what we need to understand is if, if things happen in pregnancy the world happens nobody could manage control uh, covid a lot of stress a lot of anxiety a lot of problems deaths sickness induced commas you have it now baby's here so we have a good shot between zero to five and that's when my heroes Balbi and Boeing, come into play systems brain and attachment who understand the brain when we understand that the system and systems have been defined as just the family system is like here right now here and in, in the studio we have a couple other people this is a system If we re- just remove one of them the conversation is going to change completely mm-hmm. when we have your uh, when you're with your sisters um, you uh, talk and behave in certain way when we're here on air is a different story you mm-hmm. were having dinner with uh, queen elizabeth in a state dinner at the uh, buckingham palace we're not going to do it the same way as we do when we go to Burger King. No, we don't have multiple personalities. Systems determines a lot of things, and that is, mm. we need to be adequate. We need to be proper. Um, it wouldn't be proper for me, even though if I decided to be naked here at this moment, correct? Because there are some expectations, we have some norms, and systemically, we need to do certain things. It's not about so much agreeing or disagreeing. So that's when we go to culture, we go to the community, the collective, and so on and so forth. So babies' born. yeah, we're excited, we celebrate or not, sometimes? Zero to five. Now systemically, we have the opportunity to continue remodeling, molding, adding, removing. Between zero to uh, first 18 months, 19, 19 months of, of, of life, um, we start pruning. We're born with about 300 billion neurons. By now I have I'm a little older than you are just a little just edge, a little just, just, yeah. just a little yeah eye <laughs> opener so by now i have a, i'm very close to about 80 billion neurons you have probably close to 80 billion too by the way I, at some point we're par mm-hmm. we prune a ton of them because we need to start receiving the experiences in order to to kind of trim that bush to have certain form mm. Correct? So we have too much. It's like when you have a beautiful bush in front of your house, but it's just clearing the entrance. You don't see. You want that to look like a box, like a little curve. So you start pruning, pruning, pruning. The brain does the same thing. It's very efficient. Mm-hmm. The brain does not keep what that's need. So plasticity of the brain. So now we have zero to five where this entity, this brain, is not the child, it's the brain learns a lot of things. And one of the things is that the brain has the, I call it the microchip. I need to suck to survive. I need to attach, I need to cling, I need to have, I need to develop, I need to connect. That is that emotional bond that we call attachment. Mm-hmm. When I have that bond, that connection, then the brain develops normally. We have a, ver- a very sad um, event after World War II in Romania the in the orphanages. Uh, has been very well documented, and we studied that in psychology and neurosciences too when um the kids were in, in hallways. There were I don't know if it were thousands or hundreds of them. There were orphans and they were there from, you know, very early ages of their development uh, life until you know toddlers and maybe um, kids about six seven years of age they were in these scripts they couldn't touch each other they were separated they can see but there was no much interaction and touching because of the fear of there were so many of them going into a pandemic if one got the flu and touched the next one we have now thousands of kids sick so it was it was disaster correct Other infections so they were separated physically the nurses they only have so much workforce so they, they only could go and, and feed the kids doctors came and they listened to them and they were healthy and they were dying dropping like flies Mm. why they were healthy they were well fed they were taken care of they have roof they didn't have attachment Mm. they didn't have that nourishment that connection that somebody comes and picks up the baby or the child and that face of the child is under stress and the nurse came and said oh you're crying okay just hurry up, that's good. And this face is checked out, it's busy, it's stressed, it's looking for other things, I'm not connected. And the brain is saying, hey, dude, hey, no connection.
0: So what is the difference between connection and attachment?
1: Is, is they're synonyms, they're the same thing. So when I have the is picked up, and I'm looking, and the baby has a stress on the face, and I pick up the baby, and I, oh my baby, I have a stress here too, the brain says, the lights are on, everybody's home there is connection we don't we don't communicate we don't connect only through the verbal language correct right now our communication here is about 93 percent is verbal language non-verbal cues seven percent is the, the words that you hear mm-hmm. correct other than that it is just my posture my gestures my face my eyebrows my mouth my ears my hair everything is is communicating something mm-hmm. to you and to the audience that is watching right now so when we have that baby, we're in that, in that stage. We're very developed and very sophisticated and very primitive. The brain has to say, so the brain says, I'm wet. Yay. Yeah. Come and get me. And we let the baby sit in there because I have postponed the pressure. i mother. I'm fighting with the husband or the partner. I don't have enough money for the groceries today. Your crying is going to be second nature. So I let you sit there for another half an hour. That is abandonment already. Mm-hmm. Hey, I have needs. I need someone to attend. I need someone to come to me and teach me how to soothe. I need to make sure that when I have a need, you're there to respond. You attachment is about emotional attunement. Mm -hmm. It's a very technical term. Emotional attunement is when the adult or the figure of attachment responds timely and appropriately. For instance, if we have a four-year-old running here, sweetie, don't run, you're going to fall here with the cables. And we keep talking, honey, don't run, you're going to fall. Sweetie, Boom flat face on the ground, bleeding nose. There are two things that we can do. Probably you're going to guess which one we do the most coming. We go and we tell the kid, oh, my baby, you're crying, you're bleeding. Stress fear here, distress here. My baby, it's okay. I grab the baby, the, the, the child. The blood is all over me. I don't care. I hold the baby. I rock. I soothe. I teach, and I'm telling you're not alone. I'm here with you. Oh, by the way, it's okay to cry. It's okay. Validation, normalization. That has to be done time after time after time after time. One time that we don't do it, we create already that the attachment, that insecure attachment, and we can repair very easily. doesn't mean that it has to be perfect world because it is not. But we can be aware and start kind of repairing for those things. So the the, the theory says, I pick a baby, normalize, validate, console, hold, teach how to soothe teach that I'm here for you. I have your back. It doesn't matter. It's the the, the second scenario. The kid falls there. I'm very frustrated. I'm talking to you. I told this little rascal not to do it. So I said, excuse me. And I stand up and I grab the kid and I say, stop crying. Oh, you want to cry? Look, cry for this. Boom. Slapping the buns. Shut up. I told you not to run. But the brain of the kid is saying, hey, dude. Teach me how to soothe. Teach me that you're there for me. Connect with me. Don't punish me. So next time that I fall, I'm not going to cry, and it's very common to see on the playground kids that they fall on the sand, on the sandbox, and they scrape their little knees, and they look around, and they do, literally, They clean the blood, stand up, and keep running and playing, and they don't cry. To me, there's a child that already the uh, attachment is completely insecure because I have learned since I was a baby until now, hey, I need help from the world. I need to be complete until I'm 28, remember? It's not 18, 18, it's 28. So I need that reinforcement time after time after time after time after time that I belong. I fall, I cry, you come and help me. You don't come anymore, I don't cry anymore. I, I am alone. I need to move the table. Even if I break my back, I do it on my own. I'm very proud. I don't need your help. Come on. You're the woman. I'm, I can do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. And that's something that's like romanticized in this society is like the hyper-individualism too. So it's just co-signing the trauma.
1: Absolutely. And, and culture and ethnicity and systems and collectivism and individualism has to do a lot with that one. In mm-hmm. my culture, my people, I'm, I'm Latino, Excuse me. We are very collective, so we have also something that is problematic that is called enmeshment, correct? So we don't know who is who, where we start. In the individualistic, we tend to be more this is the world and it's made up of two halves. we have boundaries we have these different things so in the management also in the management we can create boundaries and create this definition that is healthy that is in management in a healthy way and we can function like that and that's what i'm trying to do and work uh, in my work as a psychotherapist and the research that i want to uh, to do how we're able to integrate these things that doesn't have to be black and white the world is very gray, as we spoke yesterday so um, if we go back to that attachment That is my opportunity to learn that the world is not a shithole. I can live in a castle made of gold, servants, money, everything, and mom and dad, I barely know them. I have no attachment. I have not had the nanny with me consistently through the first five years of my life. I'm showered with fortune and wealth, and I'm miserable as hell. I can live under a bridge covered with newspapers and the family exists. There is attachment. I'm happy as a clam. Mm. So we need to find a balance, correct? I don't Mm. just live under the bridge, but also I don't have a golden castle that I live in. So it's just life. And that determines the quality of our life. So when Mm. we grow up, we're going to be affected and we're going to have all the scripts are actually sitting in the amygdala. When you yell at me, I don't have to think. Right away, I push back and I yell harder because the script is here. As a kid, I learned, I watched, I recorded. When I was a baby, and this is something that people still don't understand quite well, I can be a day old. The amygdala is recording. The hippocampus actually records data. I compare that one to data and emotions. Amygdala is to emotions, hippocampus is to data.
2: Mm.
1: When I have the data, it starts just kind of working in a very optimal way until I'm four or five. It takes about four to five years for the hippocampus to finish forming and and becoming fully functional. The amygdala functions in the first trimester when I'm in utero. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have this dissonance, correct? Mm-hmm. We, we don't have party to So the, the emotional recorder is on, but the factual one, I don't, I don't know why, correct? Mm-hmm. But I feel sad. I feel traumatized. I feel angry. But what is the reason? So until we're four or five, we start kind of making more sense of the world because now I have the facts, the data. So a simple example that I use to connect these two ideas Um Many years ago, when I was here in the United States, I was invited to a funeral. I'm a sucker to go to funerals and support people emotionally, so I went, it was a friend of mine, and then it was a friend of a friend of a friend funeral, really no one that I cared that I knew. So that was used to be when people opened holes on the ground and put the casket in there and covered it with dirt. So we went to the service. Um, they start, you know, putting the casket down in the hole, and I start balding. Pause. When I did that one, I have two functions. The amygdala is saying, shit, somebody died. It was an uncle, a father, a sibling, an employee. It's hurting. his death. It's hurting somebody else. Somebody's very sad. Data, fact, dead. Doesn't breathe anymore. That is a fact. And that connects right away to the amygdala that it says death equals sadness. Death equals grief. Death equals pain as i went through when my i lost my mother when i was very young so i didn't have to know the dude the brain did it all on its own and i mm-hmm. saw mm-hmm. and i couldn't understand until I later on i understood that one so that's the best way that i can put it so if i see that coughing going down my heart sings. i feel sad correct i have this o- script in my amygdala already compared to the data so we have this connection this like um matching um like taking a test that is only one right answer, so it's multiple choice, so we have all these things there that the brain automatically goes and says, oop, you crack a joke. I laugh. I don't have to think about that was funny, it's interesting. So now my response, no, I just laugh, I'm with you. It's automatically correct, this response. And it's very important that we understand that one because many times we don't have the data. Why this color makes me feel so sad and doomed? How come I love certain sounds? How come other things make me take me to the dumpster, to this crawling space that I just want to not die but be there? Mm-hmm. And we don't have access to that data. Also, when trauma takes place, and that's kind of part of the research that we're doing right now, we know certain things, we do not understand how they work, which is different. When we have trauma, we can um, pinpoint what happened. But why it affected this person and not the other one. So we go to attachment. As a kid, as an individual growing up, if I'm soothed, validated, normalized, give me the tools, then I bring new synapses, plasticity of the brain, so I start learning how to cope. So when two people, two white males, 25, go to war, and both of them shot at the same family and they kill people, that's their function. One of them comes in for life, is traumatized PTSD. The other comes back and says, that was the hardest experience in my life. Wow, I'm glad it's over. Mm-hmm. And the other one, that his life is, is forever marked. We have done a lot of studies with identical twins and how different the, the reactions, why one carries the PTSD, the other person had a traumatic, differ- difficult situation but is able to conquer. What are the tools that we get from the beginning in order to cope, how we regulate emotionally, How's that connection? That's where we're talking about attachment. Attachment. Everywhere is attachment here. Now, when we have a couple, when we have a significant other, um, attachment plays a big role. When I work for my boss for more than two weeks, attachment is kicking in. Attachment wasn't always this romantic, mommy, daddy kind of thing. Oh, no, 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 no. My relationship with my dog, with my enemies, with my friends, with the community, with the world. Is, mm-hmm. is, is guided is 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 so important so you were going say something
0: i was going to say as far as like um attachment well i uh, kind of on the same thread i'm like i i, I have like four different things that are trying to come out of it <laughs> 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 um well the first thing that i wanted to touch base on is like so i know in the spiritual community it's like big there's like this big uh kind of ideology that surrounds like non-attachment right so I know personally for myself like I feel like in that realm when I was learning I was almost gaslighting myself to create Mm -hmm. a a situation that's just not kind of plausible because it's like how can I I'm like oh okay connected but not attached right okay so I can connect to something but understanding that it's temporary in the bigger scheme i can understand like what that means but in the micro in the moment in the it's accounting for the the essence but not the whole right i feel in that in that aspect and i just kind of wanted to see uh your point of view on that and of the concept of non-attachment it's
1: extremely important what you say ash because then we need to go how we define things, correct? In different fields, we define the same word in different ways, and it has different purposes. So it's beautiful because I'm very spiritual, too, and that part, the energy, correct? Our nexus to so many different things. Um, here our reincarnation, the symbolism, the things that we need to. So now it's very important that when we talk about this attachment, it's extremely important. Attachment is very difficult to understand, actually, and then... Um, all the intrinsics, all the moving parts, and this is not an absolute bi- by any means. It is something like nourishment, correct? If I don't suck my th- my thumb, if I don't suck the nipple, if I don't suck the, the bottle from the bottle, I'm going to to expire probably, correct? And this this matter is not going to disappear. It transforms. When I die, I don't I don't disappear. I transform, and that essence that is the energy that we talk about. Um, is very important when we talk about that attachment psychologically as a science is very important to understand how that transfer to exactly what you said and there is a parallel and is exactly the same thing however now how we interpret that one most likely what i can interpret from what you were saying about this the attachment is what uh, one of the authors call as differentiation differentiation technically is a, is a term that we use in psychology where differentiation the best way that i can explain it is this dual relationship that i have one is my relationship when i look into the mirror and how much i accept i like what i see the eye what's in there that is called the intrapersonal relationship the other relationship is with you with the universe with the people and we focus on this relationship Ha- you have to like man. I have to like you. This has to work, right? And then I bend over, and I become the doormat, or I impose things on you, and I, f- I force it. It's like a rape. And this one is not working. I'm insecure. I don't know who I am. I'm very doubtful. My attachment is insecure. Um, I don't accept myself. I have a couple extra pounds here. I want to lose them, because when I lose them, I'm going to be even more miserable, because I have them, and now what is the happiness? it's here it is here so now that i have this one relating to you is an add-on and it's going to be easy mm-hmm. we say if i love i if i don't love myself it's unfair Ash, to uh, wait for you to love me mm-hmm. is is unfair and it's very unhealthy mm-hmm. that if you love me now i am i be it doesn't work like that one this has to work that's why we call differentiation and that is the relationship between the I, the intrapersonal, with the interpersonal. The interpersonal to work, the intra has to work first. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the energy, the attachment, the the attachment, what are you really alluding to? When we look at the theory of attachment, which is this emotional bond, as we are bonded to nature, to the stars, to the tree.
0: So it's like uh, from from what I've um, from what I've read, what I've heard, what I've seen in more of the spiritual community is more like, okay, well, I have uh, more like a minimalist, right? Whether that's like in physicality or like just with items, um, you know, I have a bunch of uh, paintings, you know, like if I, if I practice non-attachment, I'll give away these paintings and even though I have an attachment to them, it's like severing this uh, severing, it's like the. I guess it's the concept of going into yourself and not needing something outside of you. But I feel like it can almost be glorified in a um, extremist way, which could, like myself, when was when I was introduced to it, had these um, almost impossible expectations of fulfilling it.
1: When we talk about the physical possessions and giving them up because I'm very spiritual and being very minimalist, pause. I, under this covenant, what is the principle that I use is to get the validation, normalization, to belong now to this world of people who are spiritual.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There is nothing wrong giving up everything or could be completely wrong.
2: Mm-hmm
1: we're not who to say that but now if we go to the essence when we talk about attachment when i talk about the brain i'm talking about something that we cannot measure see or see the mind the spirit can you measure can you weigh the spirit of course not can you take an x-ray of the mind no not yet we don't have the technology when you i have seen a couple of my dogs that i have put to sleep because they were very ill and it was a humanistic thing to do once that they have the lethal injection and they're gone the life has been sucked out of them it's the same body that I brought a half an hour ago and with the dog passes away I can see it's an inert matter how come when I see a mm. corpse of someone that I, that I know, that I met and I see them in the coffin I can see I can see life is gone what the hell am I looking at? How come I see you right now, and I can see, feel life? But if you if you drop that, I is something was is gone. Mm-hmm. That something is gone. That mind, that spirit, that energy, mm-hmm. and it's completely connected to that attachment to the brain. We can wait the brain. We cannot wait the mind. Who governs whom? What happens to my mind when I die? We don't know. Good. We trust, we believe, we manage. So when we are in this journey of giving up, becoming very minimalist, I want you, I want to challenge you. What is the I attempting to do? What do I need? Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to be clear about the terms and don't, don't, don't cross over and then mimetize them in a way that they are not what we think they are. Mm-hmm. When we say, oh, you're so clingy, you're so, you're so attached, you miss the whole thing.
0: Yeah, because that's something that I feel like has also a negative connotation no. is like the word attachment and attachment and I, but that's also in the desensitized world that we. Live in and the things that are glorified. So it's like looking. I guess what we're more exposed to. But if you look hard enough, you find what you're looking for, and that could be a good thing.
1: Yeah, and I don't care if you call it insecure, or secure attachment. Call it however you want to call it, but it has the the true sense. And the most important thing behind the scenes, like here, we have a lot of equipment and things like that. Everything is interconnected. Correct? Is mm-hmm. this mic or the camera? Is this the energy that is coming through the wires? The the electric plant miles away from us producing the energy to have these lights. Mm-hmm. It is the the electricity that used to, to warm the water the water that i drunk the heat that is produ- so it's all this interconnection and when we are very stuck with this attachment because it's not a spiritual what are you really talking about it's a very simplistic and probably not very fair but it's when somebody says oh you're bipolar alejandro really why well this morning you were happy with me and today you are chewing me up and spitting me out no i'm pissed off it's different i have a short fuse It's different Mm -hmm. that's not bipolar we use your bipolar oh he's a borderline you see how he acts we don't even know down oh he's ocd people don't know what ocd is There are two things, the personality disorder and the and the diagnosis of obviously they're two different things. People confuse them. So I wonder if sometimes when we get so stuck in this terminology without realizing the essence, the energy, the spirit really, how we're just kind of tossing everything. We're tossing the baby with the the water with the baby.
0: It's like it's it's like fixating on on the word rather Mm -hmm. than the the meaning. And it's like or what the person is trying to uh, come across it's like there's a a line from a song that I love and she says it's generic and she says yeah you hear me but do you feel me though you know and it's like I feel like that's such a big statement in such a very like simple way that it's that it's stated where it's like and I feel like you see that all over the world where you find in literally every topic in every category and everything especially right now it's like you know we're so critical on each other because we're so critical on ourselves and like people that have the courage to go out and speak or speak on a podcast or public speak or say something you know and if a person is being critical and looking at them and criticizing them but not feeling them not okay well yeah, they might have, like, tripped up on their word, but did they really mean that? <laughs> like, you know, giving that sense of compassion, that little space for a second, because they're not doing it for themselves, so it's like, how can we expect that from it? But then you notice the majority uh, is is doing that, and then that brings in this sense of, like, just hypercriticism, you know, and um, ultimately... I feel like <laughs> that's a big attachment.
1: Yeah. But, but if I may pause to there when you talk about the hyper um, cr- um, self-criticism, mm-hmm. what is the function of that, correct? So how I have been either indoctrinated by society or my own systems to do to be you know, hyperbolic, critical of others or the things that I, I do. What is the purpose of that one? If I don't criticize, if I don't go to that level, what happens? Will I lose an ear, an eye, a hand? Is it going to fall off? The answer is no. So it's important for us to stop when we start criticizing, when we start kind of creating certain, especially living our lives based on other persons or people's dogmas. So we have the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, and and, and we have to live by those things, um, which I, I think that it is okay. For me, I am agnostic, so I don't have any book to respond to, any entity, however, I have my own dogmas. I live my life under my own parameters and dogmas. When I look at attachment, it's very important. It doesn't matter from what walk of life. It's like a bicycle wheel. The hub is there and the radials, correct? could be different, religious, ethnicities, customs, races, colors, genders, ability, disability. But we go to the hub, and regardless whatever it is, at the end of the day, we have the existence of the human being. Working as a psychotherapist, I have learned... Things that they have been kind of interesting. One of the things is that I have clients that they are very wealthy, and I have clients that they are very poor. I have clients that they are very well-educated. I have clients that barely know how to read and write, and they have a language, but they're illiterate. And I realized one day about what I'm going to share with you. The life experience is shared across regardless how much money you have, how many degrees are hanging on the wall, or where you came from. We feel sadness, happiness. We need attachment. That has been studied in the jungles of the Amazon, in many African countries, many European countries, in the United States, in Canada, in Mexico, in Patagonia. And we found that that is common. Actually, the the attachment theory is applicable to all vertebrates and mammals, Mm. and especially for us. We're the only species that has this little part here, this little thing that's called the neo frontal cortex. The chimpanzees think that we're ugly because we have this little extra thing, this protuberance, correct? They're kind of flat here. So they, they believe that we're ugly. Well, the feeling is very reciprocal. I think that they're ugly too. So, <laughs> um, But this neo- <laughs> neocortex is helping us to to do to have the cognitive pause mm-hmm. to um to do other things, however we as mammals we share that one correct and that's that's a survival tool like sucking like doing other things that we learn nobody teaches us but we realize if I in the caves three hundred thousand years ago if I leave the baby when we I became a Homo sapiens we have been walking on two feet we said four million. We discovered it 7 million years ago. We started walking on two feet. And 300,000 years, ago we became homo sapiens. So when we had that baby in the cave and we came back and we found the bones, what happened here? <laughs> I told you, no, I told you. And then we realized that, oh, we need to keep the kid closer. That physic- that... Um, um, proximity physically start creating what in that neocortex it didn't nothing is free in life with the attachment, the emotional connection. So now mommy had to carry the baby, protect it from the elements, and start creating this clinging that is good. It's not the clinging that oh, honey, you're clinging. You can I have a little break? No, it's not that clinging, it's a necessity that we have to connect to be to be to to understand, to to nourish skin-to-skin, eye-to-eye, accident, mm-hmm. amygdala. So we learn how to do that part. Um, and that created the need that we have today about with attachment. I was going with that somewhere else, and I kind of lost my trend. of thought, but that's, mm-hmm. yes, that's what I mean. w-
0: For somebody who is interested in finding out, say they're like, I want to know what my attachment style is, what would, um, you know, would you recommend looking into the different brackets, or like... How would you, if someone, if I was like, well, I think I'm anxious attached. Yeah. Right. um, How would you go about that conversation? Yeah.
1: My best advice as a professional, don't check the internet. Go to a professional, correct? If you fall off the ladder and your leg hurts, probably I would suggest highly to go right away to the ER because you start feeling this Mm -hmm. swelling. It hurts a lot. You cannot rest your foot, your leg on the ground. Don't wait to see in two months to see that goes away. Don't check the internet either. You don't have an x-ray machine, and even if you do, you don't have the professional expertise to determine, is this a bone out of place? I hurt like crack, or I shattered the bone, correct? If you shattered the bone, what are you going to do? Put gelatin and sticky rice around it? So I'm very critical about that one because I have seen a lot of mistakes. I have a lot of clients. One day a client says to me, I have OCD. And I said, mm, very good. I diagnosed with something else. I said, very good. Explain why. And he says, because I do this, 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 this. And I said, okay. And how do you know that that is OCD? I went on the internet and I found, check, 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 check. And I said, if that would be that simple, do you think that I would exist? No. I went to, I have gone to college for 20-some years to be able to be here with you and say, even though you meet that criteria, still you don't suffer from OCD. What we have is an anxiety out of bounds. We look at your attachment, your systems, your family. Now, if we address those things, that was the last time that he talked about OCD. I have treated for three years. Never again. He realized about that So when we are looking, and I have a lot of people, I have a few kind of clients that we talk about attachment, and they do read the, the literature, and they come back. And one day a client says, it's too much. I need to stop. And I say, good. Stop reading. Come here. Deal with me. Mm-hmm. When I go and I have surgery in my abdomen, I don't say, doctor, cut a little deeper. No, no. Open up the little peritoneal. And then, uh, no. I have to let them put me under anesthesia and let them do the work. It's important to understand what attachment is. It's important to have the idea. But when we start playing psychotherapist, mm-hmm it becomes very dangerous because now you start judging your partner, your friend, your enemy. Oh, they have this, they have the other, and we don't know that one. For us individually, we have secure attachment when things work the way that they're supposed to. By the way, in my years of practice, I have not met the first person with secure attachment. It's the theory, basically. Studies and research says that it's 60%, 40%. That's not my world. (laughs) And I see people from all walks of life. Poor, rich, Latino, white, black, Asian. I haven't met the first one with secure attachment. All of us, like dysfunctional in the families, we have different levels of insecurity or uh, insecure attachment. And there are the three kinds. Um, is the void the anxious and the disorganized, disoriented. To me, the cruelest one is the disorganized, disoriented, the one that I suffered from as a child. Um, You can know the basics. Don't stop there. Go to your... Psychotherapist to a professional that can understand better. There are a lot of criteria that overlap. When we have criteria for a major depressive disorder and anxiety, about 30% of the criteria overlaps. So are you going to have both? No, and people usually either diagnose themselves with anxiety and major depressive disorder because of the symptoms. Mm-hmm you need a clinical eye you need the profession you need someone behind that one helping you it concerns me highly when people just only want to know which one i am and then they said in that they sit in that box i have a client is this and i'm um, mine is uh, insecure uh, anxious and i said and what's your point how are you dealing when your boss is asking you to do something and you're not doing it mm-hmm. now we have something new oh, shoot, (laughs) you're fighting the figure of authority, not your boss, boss says you need to run the report by noon on Friday, and internally you're saying, screw you, I'm the one who knows, it's not going to take a few days, it's going to take about a whole week, asshole, you're not fighting the boss, you're fighting your figure of authority. Now it doesn't matter where your attachment is, what mm. kind it is. Now we have the new thing that is um, object relations, that is very systemic, is very um, psychodynamic, is coming from the psychoanalysis at the beginning. Um, so we have to be careful with that one because there's only one single part, right? When we have a high blood pressure, don't eat salt. We discover... There are some patients that salt doesn't give the blood pressure high. You can eat as much salt as you want to with high blood pressure. It depends what kind you have. Mm. So this is the same thing, correct? Oh, I have high blood pressure. Mm, And your point, don't serve salt. I'm probably the person that can eat all. It's not going to affect at all. Some people cannot touch the salt with high blood pressure. They will have a stroke right away or a heart attack. So we have to be careful with that. My, My voice of advice and concern is that learn but allow somebody else to do the work behind the scenes because mm-hmm. you have to do the other work. Mm-hmm. I, as psychotherapist, I don't do shit. I don't do work. You do the work if you're my client. When I start doing a lot of work, it's not psychotherapy anymore. I have the knowledge of the theories, the books, but you're an expert on yourself, by the way, and I provide the guidance, the professional skills. You do the rest. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do, That the rest of the books, to the experts. Correct, because many times you may have a little overlap. You're not black and white. We're not still in concrete. You may have some avoidance with some little anxious. You may have some little anxious with a little smidgen of um, disorganized, disoriented. For instance, when we talk about personalities, correct? We're not just one. Oh, you're a type A. Don't put me in the box. I'm a beautiful human being. I also work with the uh, strengths finder and the strengths. So usually they, ha- they have done a study for 40 years right now. I think that they have more than 9, 10 million people that they have done the survey, and they are continuously yeah. doing, and that is Gallup. They do the um, adjustment for validity and reliability scientifically to make sure that the tool is, is, is working and doing what they're supposed to do. They started with 100-some strengths. Right now they are 34. I have five and you can find your five ten, you have to take the test. It's an assessment, is it goes really fast and, and it's I think that is is very, very very good. I have five top uh, strengths, but there are twenty-nine more. Guess what? I also have the other twenty nine in very different levels. Mm-hmm. Some are major, some are little, but I don't like when people say you are a person like type a, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I love my solitude, my time out, mm-hmm. and I love people. I'm very sociable, very extrovert. But as an extrovert, I love my meditation, my yoga, mm-hmm. being alone with my dog. Sometimes even without the dog around the lake in Minneapolis. I live in Minnesota. <laughs> I'm a Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So um, being there is, is important. And then, but, but walking alone is very important. Sometimes I go with friends, with my spouse, with the dog. I'm a Taipei, but I love my solitude.
2: hmm
1: I love my privacy. I love to share with the world. Mm -hmm. I draw energy from audiences that I have been before them, before 9,000 people. I'm not afraid. I love it. I have conquered this thing that is the fear number one for humans, public speaking. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I draw energy. I grow so people don't. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's so interesting how there's all these different ways to learn about these blueprints like in so many commonalities of what you're saying is like you know type a attachment style all these different things um are all different ways that we're just trying to know ourselves and other people just like you know if someone's like oh you're a Sagittarius that's why Sagittarius always do that but it's like but they also do a bunch of other things that aren't Sagittarius-y you know (laughs) And, and that's because there's so much more and that's like the the sun sign astrology from then what we were talking about with the whole chart right because it's like putting people in like a type a but i'm not just type A. am not just disorganized attachment you know it's just it's there's so much more to ourselves i think it's so important that when we're doing this discovery whether it's um you know with astrology with psychotherapy with therapy with any kind of blueprint, whether Myers Briggs or the strength test, you know, any of these things. Which by the way, where can we find that? What is it called? The strength test? Is it is, is
1: the Strength Finder 2.0 You can go to the Gallup website. I don't I don't have a stock on that company, so I'm not I don't have a conflict of interest here, disclaimer. <laughs> but but I like them. Is it's not the Holy Grail is I'm not fanatic about that one, but, but it gives a lot of information. There too. Yeah. So you can buy I think through different providers, well, Amazon love hate relationship yeah um (laughs) you can buy the book electronically you can read it i would suggest read the first half that it has the whole premise It's Mm -hmm. beautiful and the other half is the 34 Mm strengths read the first half take the assessment you have to take it it's like it's timed Um, there are so many questions and you have so much time per question if you miss the question don't worry move into the next one Mm -hmm. don't think it too much you know you like black and blue blue You like this? Just the questions are more complex, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Do it, and then it's kind of nice. I have done it several times, and the tendency is to preserve those things, and they explain how it works. So, Gallup is one of those. Another thing that I recommend, also, which is kind of unconscious bias, is about the um, University of Harvard. They have this, it's called, oh, you need to do the research. It's escaping the name right now. It's about biases and this. uh, Project implicit, I think that is called. Mm-hmm. And then there are about sixteen different areas about religion, race, gender that you can take. It's an assessment, it's very valid, and then it tells you I did it with four different areas in the area that I thought that I have the least bias was my highest score showing me that i have bias Mm -hmm. and the ones that i was kind of wishy-washy i felt very well i'm more aware about those it's kind of really interesting these are the things helping us the most important thing for me that i can see now is how beautiful everything is interconnected i Mm -hmm. don't care if it's attachment clinging the energy Mm -hmm. becoming a minimalist stop take a step back Contemplate, and you're mm. going to see everything is super connected.
0: It's like when you're looking at religions, when you're looking at different things, like the there's different ties, right? Absolutely. When you're looking at different cultures, there's different ties. It might be going about something different. We might look different. We might sound different. But there's these similarities, right? It's like just as humans, we're just trying to understand ourselves and others, other humans as what being human is, you know, and all the experience in that. And that involves... Separating things sometimes into mind, body, spirit, or joining them all together. You know, there's like the Enneagram, there's numerology, there's so many different things. You know, then you have the people that are um, more fixated on like the physical health and then how that ties into everything. Once you realize like there's going to be people that have their niches, and that's so important because for people who that isn't their niche but they need to pay attention to it can learn so much about that. And mm-hmm. that kind of brings together why we're all so valuable, you know, and like how there's so many different people doing different things, but ultimately each of us play a part, you know, in showing each other another reason for us to understand humanity.
1: Which brings us to this bigger umbrella that we have right now, and I was not planning on talking about that, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to say something. The political discourse that we have that is so polarized, um, when we talk about spirituality, psychology, medicine, so it's like that niche, it's, it's this is what it is, don't do this, don't do the other, and the, the spiritual person comes with the energy, somebody says, bullshit, so the doctor talks about that one and the other person says, that's not true. Um, how do we understand all these things, that is it requires a lot of work, take the step back, contemplate, and start becoming curious, compassionate, I'm curious why you support this or that person. How come with the vaccine right now we have we're all over the map, and is is beyond the physiological medical thing? Is the politics that we have involved with that one in this country in the world? Many countries have been able to overcome that one. Some of them are kind of still sitting on the fence, and it's political. Um, how can I become curious about why the person sitting next to me is not able to is an anti-vaxxer, and then I put the label, and it's really bad. And how the anti-vaxxers say that I'm an asshole thinking about that I cannot do these certain things. What about if we learn about each other? What about when we talk about spirituality, this person? When we talk about the shaman? When we talk about the priest? When we talk about, you know, these other individuals? How can we understand and learn from each other? It's not that I have to change, that I have to dispose. What if I become curious? Mm.
0: Because we are space to be, because then you're not biased.
1: Absolutely, because to me, in a very straightforward manner, we're on a self-destructive path. Mm-hmm. we're supposed to, based on calculations, people that know a little better than we do or I do, in 4 billion years, the sun is going to explode because the fusion and fission, which are the nuclear reactions to maintain this energy going, is going, as we speak right now, the, 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 the sun is warmer than it was yesterday and a minute ago. It continues to warm up hot, hot, hotter, 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 hotter. And there is a moment that the energy cannot be held anymore and we're going to have another big bang. The, the, the sun is going to explode. Uh, the gravity is going to be still there that is so potent that we we talked about yesterday, it's going to create this black hole that's that's the theory that we understand how black holes are created. So we're doomed anyway, but we are accelerating the process with climate, with weather. And it doesn't matter where we stand, correct? The planet goes through this transitional thing and metamorphosis of, of, of melting and freezing and melting and freezing. It's a normal process too. I do understand that one. But we are putting this carbon print that is accelerating the process we have i forgot how many species already from the time that i was born to now is about thousands of species that they have disappeared in my lifespan and i'm still alive and they're gone um, mm-hmm. and i am responsible i not you they is i so my recycling composting um how i use the water in the shower i used to have the shower running gallons per minute today i i learned in the last few months to just put it down to almost drip and it feels better It's a very pleasurable shower, it's it's lower, the soap stays longer on my body. It's amazing, and I'm saving tons of water. Because I have a conscious, I don't know them, I don't care, I do care. When I'm brushing my teeth and the water is running down the the, the drain, when I'm showering and I'm shampooing my head and just kind of, not using the water, the water is running down the, 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 the pipes. In the meantime, hours before, many women in African countries were raped carrying the little thing on their heads, going for one bucket of water every day. But I'm tossing the water. I cannot live with that. I have conscience, energy, spirituality. And I love good things, and I work hard, and I have money. And uh, still I have a conscience. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I care. As Barbara Strayson in one of her concerts, said, a society and a community grows when the old man is able to plant a tree knowing that will never enjoy the shade of that tree. Mm-hmm.
0: Paying it forward, doing it for the collective and just being mindful of one another's existence, being um, what is the word? Uh, hmm. And I don't know if it's compassionate, no, it's not compassionate. It's like similar when you're thoughtful, but it's something else like
1: Mindful, em- empathetic.
0: Yeah. Uh, courteous, is it courteous? Something along the lines of that. I yes. can't, the word will come as soon as we get off this. Yeah, <laughs> <but yeah, yeah. laughs> um, consider it. Actually, there you go. Ah. Yeah, consider it. Consider it. Um, that was something that I think is just in, in humanity, just being more considerate for one another, you know? And then also uh, remembering that the earth is our planet, you mm. know, and that she's doing her thing and you know it they say like uh, in a lot of uh, indigenous cultures talking about how um we treat the earth the way we treat the women of this earth yes. and like taking from her reaping from her and like and not to say that that doesn't happen to men and everyone in between as well it's just um yeah the aspect of w- all the things that we're doing to the earth is what we're doing to ourselves right, yes. regardless of um, anything, it's it's what we're doing to ourselves, so it's like if we're not being mindful and littering and doing all this stuff, like how much are we not being mindful and littering inside as well? Yes. Yeah.
1: And also the damage that we have created, I'm a big fan of Star Trek, and I know some people don't or not, but I am. And then um, always I have dream about going to space, that's probably why my, my affinity with them one of the first things that I learned about the astronauts um, that uh, they went to the moon um, was when they turned back and they saw this beautiful blue ball. And I, the first time that I heard that one, I cried. Mm. Because in that beautiful blue ball, it's so naive, so innocent. From space, you don't have borders. You don't have to have passports. You don't mm. have rays. You don't have color. You have this beautiful, naive, suspended space. But don't land on the planet because then you're going to learn mm-hmm. a few things. Mm-hmm. How can we maintain it as such? This beautiful, floating, incredible universe on its own?
0: Remembering.
1: Remembering. Zahor, Hebrew, remember.
0: Going back and remembering, you know, even if it hurts, you know, to remember, mm. it's so important to remember um, so many things in life and not only our lives, but inquire and be curious yes. about our family, our ancestors, the family that is alive, the family that is no longer with us. And beyond that, you know, culturally, not only culturally, but then globally right yes. and going all the way back where we can f- finally understand that
1: and i think that that brings me to something that we talked about yesterday and that is we need to be kind to ourselves and believe i can learn usually say an old dog does not learn a trick that is not true and i pull out my phone because every time i have to change this device called cell phone um for two months i struggle. What are the buttons? This one doesn't have a menu button. So I was like, (laughs) oh. And I struggle and I learn. And today, with my eyes closed, I can go and navigate the phone. I learn. As I learn how to use this, and it has been demonstrated, people from all cultures, people can be alert in their own language. They know how to answer and how to dial. They know how to press a button and record a message that goes to you. And the person is 80 years old from cambodia mm. i have seen it i worked in the medical setting for 32 years and i have worked with different cultures
0: it's interesting because it's like wouldn't that be rooted in wanting to connect with another human being which ultimately will boil down to attachment
1: yes absolutely mm-hmm. that connection knowing that you're there for me the that i belong Right? right i'm not hearing this otherwise would we'll be like the hermit living alone and that is not sustainable and also the Romanian kids, they were dying right and left. Mm-hmm. And finally they said, but they are healthy, what is happening? So they start doing the autopsies as they opened their skull and took the brain out. They start comparing a boy, four-year-old, and a boy in the community, four-year-old, who died in an accident or something else. And they compared their brain, and it was like the kid in the community, the brain is larger, and the kid in the in the orphanage after a few years is smaller. Mm-hmm. And it was autopsy after the autopsy, and they said something is there. That's when we stop and we say, what is happening? So we came to terms with the attachment affects the development of the brain. I belong. I have different structures. And people can say that we die out of um, sorrow, of pain. We do.
0: Mm-hmm. Broken heart. Broken yeah. heart.
1: If yeah. I don't die of broken heart, I'm very smart. The neocortex, I develop coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. I develop anxiety. I start using heroin. Isn't heroin is not the problem Is what is behind that one alcohol mm-hmm. alcohol is not the problem and uh, by the way alcohol is not addictive regardless of what people say because if it would be addictive when you and I go to a party and we do a toast and have a glass of wine we become addictive and we don't Is what is behind that one mm-hmm. and there are a couple other things with the brain and, and, and certain uh, substances so it's very important that we're mindful about that one and we don't drop the blanket mm-hmm. alcohol is addictive you're a heroin Added, you're a bad person. You have no recovery. Um, certain people just know we need to take the blankets, cut them up, and toss them, recycle them, mm-hmm. recycle them. Correct? We have to, to become more um, generous. Yeah, and I the generosity you. is not for you, it's for me. Mm-hmm. I start with the I. When I'm generous with myself, I go to this relationship intrapersonal. When this is working out, you get the best out of me. I learned this many years ago through my own psychotherapy. Selfish ish is very important. But even in our religious context, especially in this country with the Christianism and many other cultures, being selfish is taken as being egocentric, narcissistic, a son of a bitch. And that's not it. When we talk about the self-ish, it's about the self-ish. It's about the entity because without this entity, this entity, that entity, entity, we wouldn't exist, right, as, as, mm-hmm. as a conglomerate, as a collective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's okay to be selfish. That means that I come first. I take care of this, and I give you my best. If I have not uh, slept well last night, I couldn't be here for you. I would be just kind of nodding and kind of getting, making everybody s- super bored. Right now, probably some people aren't upset. That's good. I'm achieving something, correct? Or they're agreeing, or they like, or they find value, or they revise, and they say what I knew was right, or I find another voice that kind of echoes what I say. Mm -hmm. But that's very important. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you so much. It's like, it's, it's beautiful, and that's what this space is for, you know, what this podcast is for, is like, you know, to feel heard, and validated, and also to be challenged, if that's not necessarily something that you think or feel, and, to give space for that discomfort in a safe space absolutely
1: Mm -hmm. and discomfort is very important (laughs) we can talk about so many different things that lead (laughs) to other pets but it's very important that we discomfort is okay it's important when i don't want to deal with the discomfort when i don't run away from that one that's when i masturbate all day long i start using excessive alcohol i mortgage the house and the Income of the next two years, going to gambling, to the casino every day, that's when I do certain things that they're in excess because I need to. This is very uncomfortable. When a, a child cries, the mother is very uncomfortable, correct? The rush is the caring. Yes, I know. Don't cry, don't cry. It's okay. Don't cry, don't cry. And the kid is thinking, Mom, it's okay to cry. And it's not okay. That's why I cry. So how being that parent, that person, that friend, that partner, when you cry, I'm able to be, as you said here, comfortable, present, allow, give us permission. It's okay to crash, Ash. Mm. How can I help you? Hold my hand. I hold it for two hours. First, I. Mm -hmm. Because I'm in discomfort, in pain, I'm going to ruin it for you. I'm going to trip and take you down, wouldn't I? When this is okay, You're crying. It's important to honor, to respect, to create the space to support you, to be for you here. Mm -hmm. Who's first? I. You see the self-ish where it plays? When it's all about you, I'm going to trip. I'm going to hurt you too, by the way.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, kind of to wrap up a little here. If you and I do not know how to swim, I came from Minnesota. We have the 10,000 lakes, and it's probably more than that. We're in one of the most... What beautiful lakes that they're in inner, inner city lakes, and we're on the dock. Remember, you and I don't know how to swim. So I'm talking, and then I turn around and I misstep, and whack! They go in the water, and that dock is in the deepest part of the lake. I start yelling and drinking water and z- drowning, and then pause. We have two ashes. One is going to jump in. The other one is going to ask for help. So right away, we continue the the movie. I'm drowning, screaming. You just dive head down into the water to rescue me. Now we have for sure two dead bodies. None of us knows how to swim. You and I are going to go to that bottom of the lake, and then the the, um, coroner is going to be and pull us out dead in a couple hours second scenario. I drop in the water. You say, shit, I don't know how to swim. I'm not going head down in the water. You start yelling, help, help. You pull out your phone, dial 911. You turn around There is a rope. You throw the rope. We have somebody in the water send the paramedics. Somebody heard you screaming at the other end of the dock, runs right away, takes the shoes off, dives in the water, grabs me from the collar of the neck and pulls me out and goes... <laughs> They pull me out. They pumping. The paramedics arrive. I'm alive. Who was first? You. Correct. When you put me first, you dove head down in the water. Were mm-hmm. two dead bodies. Mm-hmm. When you stay on that dock, there is a fifty percent that you're going to save my life and you're not going to die. It's very important. Mm. I'm a pilot also. When we're flying at 35,000 feet and the vessel they compresses right away, the flight attendant on the tarmac has said, you put the mask first before you attempt to help somebody else. If you have two children, what do you do first? You, you turn so to the brown. kids. You have four seconds before you pass out. You don't mm-hmm. die. Mm-hmm. But when you pass out and the kids need your attention, they're scared. They start sleeping under the Sit belt because it's not tight enough, and they start becoming projectiles, kill, killing other people, damaging themselves, going through the hole all the way out. The airplane dive is put for 10,000 feet. Everything is a disaster. When you put the mask first, <laughs> you're breathing. You tighten up the seat belts. The kids passed out. You put their masks. In a few minutes, they come back. You get to 10,000 feet, shaking, but your kids are safe. Who was first? Mm. You. Mm. when you put the kids first all of us we lost and they lose when you die first head down on that water trying to take me out without knowing saying i am first i don't know how to swim we're doomed what are you trying to do think about
0: it i feel like you're trying when you're trying to put someone else first you're not valuing yourself and you're also like putting yourself in jeopardy of um without even knowing it but Essentially, it's like a survival technique because the innate value that you've recognized is what you do for other people and not what you do for yourself, which is a lot of people.
1: And plasticity of the brain, that is a thing that has been ingrained. We have learned culturally. Some cultures are worse than others, I would say. Sorry about the judgment wars here, but plasticity of the brain you can reprogram you and I can keep talking about that you can say next time that I sit down this is what I, I want to do I'm not going to dive in the water the next time that something happens to my kid kids and parents in psychotherapy in session mom when your kid is doing well how do you feel and she says great the queen of the world mm-hmm. awesome what happens when your kid is crying has flunked the class and is depressed and smithens me Alejandro they say I'm broken. And I said, wrong answer. When your kid is in glory, you are in glory. When your kid is smithing, you have to be in glory because they need to have that person that will bound them together, that will provide the support. When you're syncing with your kid, who's there to help the kid, that's your function as an adult, isn't it? Mm -hmm. A lot of people have said, uh, yikes, as we say here in the States, yikes. (laughs) And that has helped also to have a different discourse in session to start training people differently, not better or worse, differently and elevate the sense of awareness. Molding again, even at 60, 50, 80, I can mold my brain and start programming. We're, We're a computer, very sophisticated computer, by the way. People that know more about or better than I do, they understand what I'm saying. We can program our computer. We can go back into that amygdala. And as I hold your hand... And look into your eye and feel skin to skin i'm very cold and look into your eye i'm accessing the amygdala that is right here in the middle of your brain and rewriting the script and you and i are having trouble as a couple i say we're in this together i love you basically i took you back decades ago it was the baby skin to skin Oh, my baby, you are stressed. I love you. I I love you. And soothe. And then I put the script here. When that baby is picked up and I'm checked out and the baby's stressed, then McDonald's says, we're screwed. Now what do we do? Figure it out.
0: What about people? So, like, you just... I mean, you just kind of answered it. So what about people who haven't had that experience, who, who didn't get soothed as children but still figured out how to survive? How can they start to find that um like what is the advice that you have to people around them that love them you know whether that's romantic relationships friendships uh, family members because it it applies in all of them and then what should they do you know
1: the thing is if you're hearing listening to us it's just becoming aware that you're not broken you're normal you're not defective you're not second-class citizen you're first-class citizen Now that you're aware, what are the adjustments that you have to do to repair? So, if my attachment was abandonment, rejection, is insecure, doesn't matter which one of the three kinds because really doesn't matter. The important thing is to address and start repairing that one. You're not broken, but we need to repair this bond, this connection, correct? So, the best thing would be be aware. You're not broken, but we need to address something. You can do it through reading. Usually reading is is complicated because we need to externalize. We need to reprocess. We need to confess. Mm -hmm. So when I don't have that chance, I'm losing a big opportunity. Psychotherapy is not for everybody. I'm a big fan because I have gone to psychotherapy for 27 years and I will continue to go until I turn 125. That's my goal right now. If they give me 150, I will take it. I don't want to leave forever though. (laughs) So, But until then, I'm going to continue my psychotherapy. That is a way to reflect, to understand, to be challenged. It's the safest space that I can go completely naked before, so to speak, before my therapist without feeling ridiculized that is going to laugh, that is going to criticize me. I have permission to be and that's very important. Understanding your relationships. If you have a part you have had a partner for three years, because the previous one, I don't know where to start, it was four years. But the previous one was about six years, it was a tragedy. I don't know where to start. So now we have a pattern of relationships. I have a lot of friends, but always wind up breaking up, cutting them off emotionally, walking away. Hey, 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 there is something for me there. Mm-hmm. Usually through our partners, spouses, significant others. We are. This is cruel. Nature is cruel too. We have. We entered into this agreement that, without knowing that, now if you are my significant other, I am attempting to resolve what happened to me in that childhood that didn't work. That attachment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then it becomes a mess. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't have to leave you because I have an affair or you have an affair. No, no, no. It's a learning experience. How can we understand what happened in the system that? force one of us to have an affair have sex and how come i stay here and i didn't say anything what are the tools that i'm missing how can i resolve that one mm-hmm. this is not about kicking the other person to the sidewalk no this is about me more than you if you had the affair or vice versa also in that si- instance um if you had the affair whose fault is that one no one and that's very difficult about systems in the system, you don't have bad players. Is what you and I decided we were living together. If you decide to go and sleep with the neighbor because his hat is not because his hat. Sex, you watch it, it gets brand new. So what's the problem? Is what it means to us the induced damage that causes to me, and what about to you? But also, where was I when things were not working and that attachment was missing, not very well interpreted, and then the relationship was going downhill. You didn't say or do anything, neither did I. We didn't have the skills. The tension was so high that sometimes the triangles are not that bad, by the way. And then one of us goes and has an affair and comes back again. The tension is released. We build more tension. We have more another affair. We come back. Is the affair the problem? Hell no is what this tension is doing here and you and I cannot manage. We don't understand. We don't even know which is cruel. But you and I get into this relationship because you provide for me what I need and I provide to you what you need coming from those attachments so we can with our baggage. So now it becomes very
0: complex. So in that complexity, when I have... it's like A few things are running through my mind. So it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when we are in these attachments and and um, you know when we're when we pick a partner when we choose each other right uh, how do you know when you're doing like uh, how can I articulate this essentially it's like you know say say you're in a partnership and mm-hmm. there is a series of different things that have worked really well because, they fit this attachment style, but maybe it's not something that you want to continue to be like it, you don't want to continue to be attached to that extreme, like you're working on that, and then it's like I don't know I'm articulating y- right, but I, I feel I, like
1: I, I will. I. I think that I understand what you're saying. It's not that you're attached to this thing. It's about your attempt to continue to resolve something. It looks Mm -hmm. like attachment, clinging, uh, being in an abusive relationship, and you becoming the doormat. No. Exactly.
0: That's what I mean. Like, how can you differentiate for people that are, whether it's about, because the relationship is just an example. Like, when you are, you know, we're always in a relationship with ourselves. So, how can you determine whether your attachments, Um, are serving you anymore or not? Like, how can you start to be like, okay, well, I know. Where do you draw the line for like, okay, well, I know I need to be validated, but like I'm pulling validation from all these people.
1: You're talking in a very well-educated way. I need to be validated. When you and I are stuck in there, what we don't know, we don't know. Correct? Mm -hmm. But I feel... And many times we feel, and even as a well-educated adult that I am, I don't even have the words to express. Shit. What am I feeling? I'm not happy. What is it? What I don't know, I don't know. But still I feel. The little child, the baby, the toddler, the infant, they don't have language that Mm -hmm. articulate as you and I do. They don't have the lexicon, and they have the feelings and they have no language to say, mommy, I am anxious. I'm feeling that I'm being abandoned, and I feel outcast. In fact, when I cry, I feel invisible, and that is hurting me. (laughs) I don't even as an adult think that way, but I have the feeling, don't you? Mm -hmm. We don't have the language. So now we're encountering (laughs) a big part of time that is what the hell to do with these things, and that's what I believe. We have professionals. We have people. It's very important when we have these close relationships to reflect with them, to say, you know, what what do you see that I'm doing? Tell me. And just listen. Their honest opinion is not right or wrong, but uh, that is giving you an idea of what is happening behind here. Mm-hmm. We, I don't see this. If I don't see it and I don't know it, how do you know you don't know? That's why you don't know. So that's why we go to the experts. We go to the people that are trained. We go to the uh, spiritual, to the shamans. We go to this I- search of connection with the universe. We don't blame. We don't reduce to second-class citizens. We become curious. All what I know, I know nothing. Mm-hmm. I love this. and It was when I was finishing my undergraduate. The more I learn, the less I know, and that is
0: true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also like in in response to like my question, I feel like you've kind of answered it throughout this entire podcast, which is essentially just going back to yourself, having that contemplation time with yourself, because it's like there are you know, I think that in in a few different episodes, we kind of talk about like different relationship dynamics. And I have an episode of a, a that's called why do people cheat Mm -hmm. you know and like we're unpacking that and all these different experiences and a few different episodes um and where it kind of goes ultimately always for everything is just reflecting back to yourself but something i think that a lot of us struggle with is when to know when to let something go whether that's a job or a relationship or a friendship you know we we uh are like well i was doing this for 10 years or you know then there's the people that have the opposite spectrum where they're like oh instantly no done like cut off so it's like finding the balance just between that
1: that is one of the difficult things to answer and probably I don't have the answer to that one because what i don't know i don't know If I'm in a relationship that is pervasive, that was my experience in in the first nine years or the first relation that I had. Always there was the hope the person is going to change, is going to be different, we love each other. That's what I knew. Mm -hmm. I, I knew violence, abuse, maltreatment, and that was kind of my bread and butter. I didn't like it, it hurt, but I was there. Until something magic happened and the sad story that many people in this country and around the world perished, died in those relationships because of the hope. Because mm-hmm. you're providing to me what I know, mm-hmm. what I need. I don't like it, it hurts, but I know I need were trained that's why the attachment and all these things are important Um, usually i ask people to do their genogram and you can research a little more about that one it's good to have a professional with you so three four five ten generations you go back and you look for patterns and then you can start understanding so many things about you and your family so when i'm in this relationship in this job it's very hard to to come to terms one of the things that will be very helpful i think and it's not the answer but it's part of the process take a step back you are dedicated to this job you know what figure it out (laughs) figure if you can go on fmla for 12 weeks if you have enough vacation take four weeks straight and plug from the job go to the lake go to the ocean start just harvesting on the ground start sitting on your head two hours a day do yoga and let it be, and explore. And I guarantee you, you're going to find a spot that you says, doesn't feel good. I need to do something. Mm -hmm. That happened to me one day, getting hurt, abused, maltreated, mistreated, you can name it. And one day I said, I deserve different, Mm -hmm. not better or worse, but I always have had that ability. I think it's an ability. Some people would say, I don't deserve this bad. I deserve something better. That's okay, too. It's okay if you want to label it that way. But know that that is different. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I didn't want to have my face bruised anymore, that I needed to have to work hard for two people to support the other person while the other person was sleeping with half of the neighborhood, that um, I was worth it. What
2: mm-hmm.
1: a What a novelty. Hmm. So, I took this time. I went to Miami for a couple of weeks. I came back to find something really ugly. And that was the last straw. Take space, take time. You need to take, a, I would say, take two to four weeks at least and let it be. Let it sit. Don't read books. Don't you? That's the moment for you to be. That's the moment to be uncomfortable. That's the moment to feel the pain. That's the moment to stop drinking. No, you're not mm-hmm. going to kill yourself. You're con- you can do it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say, ooh, Yikes. And that would be, that is, yes, you just start point. You just crack the egg. Mm-hmm. That's it. But that is the biggest. That would be, I'd say, that would be about 50% of the job. Become aware, challenge, question. And the 50% is start your journey. That, By the way, that will end the day that you die. It doesn't mean like I did. I moved away from that relationship. It was very difficult. It hurt me a lot to stop the relationship. But after that one, life has been before and after no regrets, by the way. No regrets.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I think that that that's a beautiful way to end this podcast and going into all of the different things that we did and just leaving with like a positive word of advice and like some instruction because I feel like a lot of times when we are unpacking these different topics, it's kind of different. It's uh, difficult to, uh, you know, it's like okay, what now? you know it's like okay now i'm aware of all this stuff what do i do now that is exciting even Mm -hmm. though if i don't
1: know where to go it's exciting to say now what
0: Mm -hmm. to become curious to be rather than helpless feeling you know and i think that that's something that's so important to be spoken on because i know a lot of people have a difficulty not everybody has access to having a therapist or psychotherapist or somebody or you know whether that's Held back from insurance, finances, resources, or trauma. You know, that's just hindering that process. So,
1: on that side of the psychotherapy, don't allow yourself to, the environment limits you. I didn't know that one 30 years ago. I know now today. I had access to pro bono or free services. Mm -hmm. Search in your community, talk to people. Um, I start, my, my first journey was going to the library and then checking 16 books on self help, for instance, 34 years ago do that yeah. um, and your community i guarantee you, especially in this country especially now you will find resources that they are very low cost is latin scale or you're going to have free services are free i provide a lot of pro bono work in the twin cities um and i do it is is, is a beautiful thing for me to do um find that professional i i have a private practice and i work for a very large organization and still i provide a lot of pro bono services on my own practice
0: where can we also have uh, information on you? If you have a website? Or sure. I have a website that is you?
1: very, very brief. You can go to Avante, A-V-S-N-Victor, A N S N november T-S-N-Tango, E-S-N-A-Code.us. And it's a simple page. But also you can contact me. The email address is Alejandro, very Norwegian. I think that is on the screen. A-L-E-J-A-N-D-R-O, at avante.us a Victor a n as in november T S N tango e in echo.us you can send me questions i can provide more guidance um so connect if you want to so and do a lot of work locally and then the best and that has been a pleasure to be here i'm very honored
0: it's been an honor having you and for you know shining light on so many topics and the conversations are only gonna continue <laughs> you're <laughs> the screen. <laughs> we had a lot of practice yesterday, <laughs> getting into conversations and you know, mm-hmm. thank you for being not only mm-hmm. the incredible human that you are to mm-hmm. so many, but such an amazing best friend to my mother. Mm-hmm. And, and thank
1: you for your openness and, and, and your 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 generosity. You're of very kind and very generous. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Oh, we're gonna finish this podcast <laughs> just <laughs> thanking each other to completion. <laughs> well thank you everybody who tuned in and um yeah i hope you all feel very very uplifted heard seen felt and um you know we're all just navigating through things and doing our best to just human on this planet earth that we're experiencing in this lifetime and uh yeah till next time have a great day bye thanks